This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. This week, we'll break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in Georgia State's loss at South Carolina to start 2022 and then look ahead to this Saturday's big-time home opener against North Carolina, the first power conference school to come to Center Park Stadium for a game. So let's go ahead and get right on with the summary of the game real quick before we get into discussion. South Carolina, uh, 35-14 loss for the Panthers. Panthers actually outgained their SEC season opening foe 311-306 to yards, but two punts that were blocked in return for touchdowns by the Gamecocks doomed GSU to an 0-1 start. In return to his home state, Cornerback Quay White was the star of the show in a very good defensive performance, coming up with two interceptions and one of the three sacks the defense logged. Another player making a return was former South Carolina defensive back Jamias Williams, who, as we know, switched to running back after coming to Atlanta. He led the Panthers with 76 yards rushing as they outgained Carolina 200 to 79 on the ground. The Palmetto State natives didn't all have great nights, though, as Conway South Carolina native quarterback Darren Granger struggled to his worst statistical outing as a Panther, finishing 7 of 29 for 111 yards with one rushing touchdown and an interception. So, uh, gentlemen, lots to unpack on this game. Uh, lots to talk about offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, what you got? Yeah, well, I was going to say, usually when we do these uh, game uh, analysis we go over each of the sides of the ball in some order, uh, usually just offense and defense. But spoiler alert, David, I think we're going to have to talk about special teams this week. Um, oh, really? Oh, that's a surprise where, to me. Where do you want to start? Uh, honestly, I feel like we should start with the bad first because I feel like that's what we want to... That's what people have tuned in to hear, just rage fest. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's just be mad and be mad right away. Uh, the special teams were bad. And, you know, we talked about it over the entire offseason and how, you know, we finally were going to get returning this year in punts and kickoffs. You know, Georgia State hired a special teams coordinator and, you know, things were going to be better. And... I don't think it's hyperbole to say that special teams is the reason this game was lost. Like, yes, obviously you have a quarterback who completed seven passes in almost 30 attempts. It's not good. I'm a pretty smart man, but that's not, I, I can do a lot of math, but that's not how good math goes as far as quarterback completion percentages. Um, I'm not a hundred percent putting this loss on the special teams, but I think the other two sides of the ball showed me a lot of things that I liked and even the negatives that I saw on those sides of the ball are not as bad as the negative that was special teams, honestly, in all facets. Um, and, you know, I credit South Carolina, give them a lot of credit. They took advantage of some special team stuff that, you know, the touchdowns, you know, ball falls at a good place. Guys have numbers and boom, you can run it in for two scores. And, you know, they were they did a really good job of flipping the field um, for themselves. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping that in the similar vein that the offense had in the 2021 season opener that Georgia State kind of says, OK, you know what? This isn't the standard that we want it to be. Throw it away. Let's learn from it play good for the rest of the season because special teams just really let them down. Yeah. And I mean, Jordan, we didn't include it in the recap of the game, but the first special teams play was the fake field goal 
the South Carolina converted inside their own t- inside the George State ten, and two plays later they were in the end zone for the first time. And so, really, when you look at it, when I charted just the game, when I look back and rewatch the game, I usually just note like the plays that stand out, and there were four to me. The first one was the fourth down stop of George State on the opening drive. The second was that fake field goal because. You know, they could have gotten three points there, but if they had gotten stopped on that fake, it would have been still scoreless. You would have kind of negated that first fourth down stop that South Carolina's defense got almost literally. It was almost exactly the same yardage in the field. And then the last two were the two pump blocks. And so the of the four plays that kind of really swung the game, three of them were on special teams. And so that does tell the tale. I do want to get this out of the way, and it's not a cop-out, like, First and foremost, the execution from Georgia State on special teams has to be better, and you can hopefully just chalk it up to early season mistakes pile up. It You hired a special teams coordinator to revamp special teams, and that doesn't necessarily happen overnight, and so there, I've gotten that out of the way. The other part of it is that Pete Limbo, one of the better special teams minds, uh, really an emphasis for him in that job in South Carolina, he's the special teams coordinator there. And he's literally, he's Frank Beamer's son is the head coach of South Carolina. And so I want people to maybe have a little caution that that was maybe the most juiced and ready to attack special teams units that is in the country, let alone on Georgia State's schedule. And so there was some of it that they were good at it and they made a point of emphasizing it. And they had SEC athletes who weren't even like starters in their positions on the depth chart, but were making plays and committed to making plays. And so it doesn't excuse it. Like you still got to go correct what you have to correct, but that is a factor. Like you were dealing with kind of the end goal of what you'd hope for when you hear your coach say, we want to make special teams an emphasis. Like that was the case because South Carolina didn't beat the brakes off Georgia state as maybe their fans were hoping for you. You outgained them. It was only by five, but you outgained them. You ran for 200 on the ground. But as it always happens, it comes down to a couple of plays. And when you're able to make special teams the factor that it can be, you saw what happened, that a game that really wasn't a three-score difference was three scores on the scoreboard different. And you lost 35-14. The frustrating part about that football game, and is kind of emblematic of, you know, a lot of these upset bids that we see from you know, G5 schools and Power 5 schools, uh, Power 5 stadiums is the G5 school has to play near perfect. And now obviously there could be a lapse in execution at some point. But at the same time, you have to you cannot lose on the margins. You absolutely have to win on the margins. And now if you take those two touchdowns, those punts that were returned for touchdowns away, just those two scores, just let's say that, you know, all things else being equal, you know, Georgia State forces two, three and outs on those drives that, you know, they kick off to South Carolina. No points are scored. Georgia State still loses this game. OK, that's fine. Do you feel a lot better about it? Yes, absolutely. But the gap between programs sometimes can be the margins. So it's it's very frustrating that Georgia State played this game. And, you know, Georgia State was in this game for the majority of the game. Led in the second half. Right Led. before all the wheels came off, had a mm-hmm. lead in the game. Mm-hmm. They, they, and they got that lead after being down for a significant portion before that. And I guess that is the, 
and you know the frustration like they you know like they overcame uh it, it was a nine point lead because of a mixed uh a missed extra point but you know they came back from a two score deficit in an sec stadium and I will say, and you know, it's something that I I really don't want to just gloss over. Georgia State made South Carolina work for every single offensive point that they had. I, you know, we can just you know pivot and talk about the defense right now because I kind of want to. Georgia State absolutely pushed the crap out of South Carolina on Saturday. They made Spencer Rattler move a lot, and you know, he did make a couple of really good throws. Like I, I think. Uh, Former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky tweeted this morning um, complimenting Spencer Rattler on that one play where he threw it to um, probably Jalen Brooks. Yeah, Jalen Brooks. It was that 39-yard play down the right side. But if you go watch that play from a Georgia State lens, the pass rush is right there. Like Spencer Rattler has to make an incredible play, first of all. There's the rollout to the right side. You know, like I'm sure NFL scouts love that if, you know, Spencer has – dreams of going to the next level you want to know why i think that catch happened quay got beat at the line because brooks is a pretty big physical wide receiver okay you know it happens sec school but he was he was so close to letting his speed get him back in that play and spencer rattler just made one of the probably one of his best throws that he's made in college it was it was truthfully a perfect throw and quay was still right there very close to getting a hand on it and tipping it it just happened to be you know, where Brooks could only reach it, you know, big play. And like, obviously, rah, rah, good, big play. That was your, you know, tied for your second biggest play from scrimmage. The defense played an incredible game and they converted three third downs, only three. Defense yeah, kept I them mean, in that game. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing two years in a row the sec stadium you go in there and the defense gives you every opportunity and then some to win the game and this year i mean the offense didn't really do them enough favors and the special teams as we talked about were really the nail in the coffin for the win but yeah i i think if you're looking for reasons to believe that the defense performance last year wasn't just about oh they played ulm and texas state and troy whoever ball state in the bowl game whatever like, I I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think it's an outrageous take to just, like, this has kind of been the thing. I don't know if we've said it out loud, but, like, the defense has been the better unit for Georgia State most of the last two seasons, well, you know, a season and a game now. The defense has turned on the pressure, and you got three sacks, and, you know, the, the one negative you'd say, and Coach Elliott did say after the game, is what you were just talking about, that some of those plays where uh, Rattler's able to scramble, they lost contain, and he made plays. You're not necessarily going to have the combination of guys that are going to beat you in that exact way the rest of the season. Although, you know, preview this week, you definitely have a guy that you're going to be tested immediately on making sure you contain him at quarterback. But, you know, you got him uncomfortable. You forced some mistakes. Um, I mean, I feel like this should just be the Quay wing, uh, the Quay white wing of the podcast because Guy had an incredible game in his home state. Uh, the first pick was incredible ball skills uh just went up and, and got it and turned over his body and caught it for like there was no gonna be like let's go to review did he hold on to it he re- he reversed himself in midair and landed on his back and caught it and that set up the touchdown that gave you the lead in the second half he got the other interception where 
Rattler got greedy. He had the guy on the check down for the first down past the sticks and he went for the guy downfield and it wasn't a good throw. Quay was in position, caught it. And then maybe the best part, just because, you know, cornerbacks, he, he's in, tied for the program lead with interceptions with nine now with hit sticks. So that will happen. I love the sack. I loved, you know, the corner blitz on the short side. Well timed too. didn't have it blocked at all. Perfectly timed. I really enjoyed, it wasn't just like this or that from the defense. It was just from all facets and you could tell they were going for it. Nate Fuqua was dialing up all these different blitzes and it was having an impact. It didn't necessarily, you, you didn't get that big play like, you know, South Carolina was able to get with special teams, but the defense did everything. And we haven't really talked about it yet, but run defense, I mean, it's what we knew. Like going into this game, we were pretty confident based on even the last times going to SEC schools that Georgia State was going to be able to run the ball and stop the run. And they did that. And some of that's to do with South Carolina. It's not a great rushing team, and their offensive line isn't very good, especially for the SEC standard. But you still got to go in there and do it. And it's what gave you a chance, and it's why you know you talk about the third down percentage. Part of that's just because they weren't on schedule, and you know we'll get to the offense. And Georgia State was also not on schedule by a far greater degree. But you kept them to where they were in, not third and manageable, not third and short. And because of that, you were getting off the field, and you were forcing the punt unit on, which in a couple of instances. Kay Kroger, Kai Kroger for South Carolina, their punter, really flipped the field and set the offense up for Georgia State in less good positions. And then when they got stopped and when they weren't able to progress, when Georgia State's punt unit came on for both those punts, they were, I don't know if they were exactly inside their own 20, but Michael Hayes was punting from around like the 25, 30 in both instances. And so, you know, if you get a couple of first downs, that punt might be at midfield. It might be you don't even punt. You go for it because you're in SEC country. It was situations where because the offense wasn't moving, because the fl- the field had been flipped and you didn't get any further down the field, It was that's why the returns were where they were. But the defense did everything they had to do. And I even wrote, it was writing through the games, you know, you had the two touchdowns on the blocks. Uh, you had the touchdown after the fake field goal where the defense got off the field. And you held them to t- attempt two 50-yard-plus attempts from field goal range with a guy who was making his first start. And credit to him, he nailed them both. But you know, when you look at it and the defense or Georgia State gave up 35 points, it just what I wrote down was points per game against is anti-defense propaganda. Because it's really unfair that that gets tagged on Georgia State's defense because mm-hmm. they really clapping. gave up maybe 20, I'm- 19 of that, depending on how you assign extra points to put conversions and all that but like i just think that it's unfair that that's the tag that gets hung on them because they were much better than that and it was the exact same with the auburn game last year because you had the blocked pun again and uh yeah I, I just think that again you look at the the box score if you look at nothing else it'd be like oh gave up 35 but the defense gave up a much better than 35 point per game performance for sure it's distressing because go look at the CFB stats and like sort by the Sun Belt. You'll look and be like, oh, wow, Georgia State, you know, they're bottom of the Sun Belt in terms of points per game. They, you know, points allowed per game. It looks really bad. And then you actually like go look through and it's like, well, 14 of these were because of this, you know, special teams. 
And then another six was a kicker, a junior kicker making his first start was just like, okay, I'm just going to casually hit two 50 plus yard field goals, which were incredible, you know, plays for Georgia State to even force those those 50 plus yard field goals. So, yeah, no, I I'm so glad that you said that because points per game is not the whole story. And like, yes, you know, put that on a team, put that on Georgia State. They allowed 35 points. Okay, absolutely. Could have been 36. They missed an extra point, but absolutely put that on Georgia State. But you cannot put that on the defense. You know, they allowed 306 yards. People are lauding. I don't want to say people are lauding Spencer Rattler, but, you know, it seemed on the surface that Rattler had a good game. 227 passing yards. Like, that's... Georgia State absolutely played a really good defensive game. And I think it's, you know, we... (laughs) I guess we can you know, kind of switch to talk about offense a little bit. Uh, I'll just throw it to you to do that. But, you know, it, it is disappointing that the offense was what it was. Um, you know, there was some good. There was some bad. Obviously, the rushing. Hey, they, they got to 200 yards on the ground. That's that's the important number for Georgia State. So, uh, you know. Yeah, well, I, I said it earlier in talking about the defense and keeping South Carolina off schedule a little bit. And that really was the biggest part for me with the Georgia State offense is they just never were on the schedule they want to be. It's not exactly the triple option thing, but it is a little bit where they were not getting, you know, is incomplete pass here on first down, maybe a run for a couple yards on second down, and then you were in third and eight. Or worse, you were getting some negative plays worked in there and it was like third and 11. And it's just not what this offense is set up to succeed at, especially against an SEC school, especially a good defense like this. And Again, this isn't to say there isn't more Georgia State could have done this game, but I will also start off this by saying I thought South Carolina's defense played a hell of a game. I think it's a good defense. I think that's going to keep them in a lot of games and against even if it's a team that they shouldn't necessarily beat or hang with. I think that that defense is good enough to keep them in those games. And you saw that with some of the coverage downfield on passes, you know, nine pass breakups. Some of that was also passes batted down at the line, which is both the quarterback thing, but also just they were active and they were forcing Georgia State in the situations where they figured where the play was going to go. They blew up one of the wide receiver screens. They picked out some of those uh, batted down. They got some of those batted down balls at the line because they knew that it'd be like a down where Darren was going to be looking to get a quick out. And they really never let him settle in the pocket. And I think the zero sacks allowed is something that the offensive line can hold their hat about, but there were still six quarterback hurries. And I just don't think that Darren ever really got into a comfortability. There were a couple of drives where he did. And those were the drives where they scored. (laughs) I was just about to say the only time he really looked good were the two, uh, honestly, the two touchdown drives. And I will say the, I'm a little ticked off. Um, I really feel like Tucker Gregg converted that fourth down. Um, I didn't love the. You gotta spot. leave no margin of doubt, though, especially and, in the building. Like it's the yeah. cliche, and I don't think that like the refs are in on it, but like it was close enough that you can't count on that. You gotta get that by more than just maybe a nose. Absolutely, I and when it I wasn't wholeheartedly there, agree with like, you. As, when the spot wasn't there, there's no basically no precedent for that getting overturned. And it's like, oh, actually, this spot's here. Like, it is so rare when it got in March where it did that you were going to get a full yard difference when they looked at it on replay. And so as soon as it was marked what it was, it was like, all right, so this is going to be a turnover on downs. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think part of that was 
Um, the offensive line just really did not give Georgia State enough, like you mentioned. And I think that to me was the surprising part because I, I do think South Carolina's defense played well. I do. But I also think that the offensive line just really – it, it wasn't because of it wasn't all on the defensive line. I think it was a B, B minus performance in the run game. Yeah, which like at some point you would have been like 200 yards on the ground at SEC school. Like that's great. You take that every time. But I do think there was another gear that was missing, especially they popped a couple of those long runs and then those drives stalled out. And then, like I said, the first drive, it was because short yardage. You just didn't get the push that you needed to. Tucker got stops on two straight short short yardage situations um and i love the call like that's absolutely what you do and that's what georgia state's excelled at in the last couple of years where it's just like okay it's third down fourth down you know what we're trying to do and you're not going to stop it and south carolina stopped it credit to them one of the guys who got the stops on that fourth down it's a true freshman safety who got thrown in like two plays earlier because the starter got hurt and so sometimes you got to tip your hat but like you say i think more could have you could have expected more because georgia state's run blocking has shown you more but i still would say it bottoms out of me like a b minus b performance because you still did get those big chunk plays and that's all at the end of the day that's what you're geared to do is that you pop it for four or five and then you get the big long one and they got those maybe if you know you get a little lucky you get another extra block here there and that turns into a touchdown game goes differently but you can't really fault for like okay a good portion of the 200 was from a couple, I think three runs really. But I, you take that. Like those could have been touchdown runs. Those set you up in good positions. Is what you did with the rest of the plays that left stuff to be desired. Yeah, and I mean, Georgia State likes to run the football. We know this. If you told me that they would run 30, 38 times for 115 yards, I mean, you know, the yards per game, there's just a hair over three, which that's not good. But you still had those two extra uh, those two extra rushes to push it to 200 you know and I, and i think the the runners for georgia state you know the ball carriers marcus carroll you know jam williams and darren granger when he was kind of feeling himself a little bit in the second half i think those guys did a really good job of using their patience and their vision when holes weren't necessarily there um to kind of get those kind of make the holes if you will uh but I'm not going to fault the Georgia state team for still putting up the, those other numbers because those big numbers still happen. You know, like we've talked about it for the Georgia state defense in the past. Like, yeah, sometimes you're going to give up those big runs and sometimes those big runs will turn into touchdowns. You know, the Auburn game last year was a good example. The, if you contain the other runs, but are still allowing the touchdowns, it's not great. You know, things aren't going to go well. And so credit to South Carolina for doing a pretty good job of, you know, tackling and doing a good job of getting their cor- their second and third level to get those angles on those Georgia State ball carriers. But, you know, I, I like you say, I, I can't go lower than a B minus either because I do think it was still such a good day on the ground that it, it as good as the offensive line can play, they didn't play that poorly. Which is just, you know, that's where the standard's been set. And it's okay to look at it. And I'm sure they're looking at it and going, there were opportunities there. We could have had more and needed more. And part of why they would have needed more is just the passing game was what it was. And I'm really urging not over-reading one performance. Because like I said, I think that's a South Carolina team that's got a really good defense. They were up for the game. And I think that 
you know, it's week one. We don't really know. I have no idea what to make this App State defense because they probably aren't going to be bad, but they did give up 63 to UNC. And so that's not something they've done in the past. So I have to at least hold that thought in my mind when I say, I think South Carolina is probably going to be the best defense Georgia faces all year. Georgia State faces all year. And, you know, they played like it. And even, you know, in the second half, I thought, okay, let's just say the short stuff, there wasn't really anything. There was one rollout uh, that was a quick read for Darren to get to Jam right after the interception in the second half. And Jam got a 20-yard gain out of it. A couple plays later, they scored. I think maybe try and get Darren Moore of looks like that where he's rolling out as a design. Um, but other than that, you know, screen game couldn't get going quick stuff. Some of it was just Darren was missing throws. Some of it was, it was covered and there wasn't like a second read to go to, but all of that led to the fact that you, that that was why you were in so such bad off schedule positions because none of the short stuff or medium stuff in the passing game worked at all. And a lot of stuff to go around. I think ultimately the biggest thing is just, you're going to have to see more from Darren in future weeks, a uh, bigger improvement, but I thought there were opportunities in the deep game. And I think me and David differ a little bit on this, but I maybe won him over a little bit as we've talked about this. But the thing with the run game with Georgia State is it's so ever-present and you think they're going to do it every play that you started seeing in the second half, Trent Medine in his first game as offensive coordinator, you started calling some play actions and it was some play actions and they were immediately the first read was a deep shot. And the play was there kind of. You know, there was some space. There was a little bit of green for the receiver. And the throws were in the catchable range. And on one of them, there was pass interference drawn. On a couple others, there were arguments to be made that there should have been another flag thrown, but they weren't. And on some of the other ones, cornerbacks made plays. You know, Marcellus Dial had a good game. He had some good pass breakups. He ended up with the interception at the end of the game. And I just don't think that you're going to see cornerbacks that can make the plays they did consistently the rest of the way on the schedule. And so I, yeah, in a game where a guy had 24% completion percent, it feels weird saying that the best part of the game is arguably the harder throws. But even with all the misses, I felt like in other games, those throws might still be there and you might have the guy who's more wide open because it goes back to starting with the run game. And because you had that success, they had to honor it. And you saw those opportunities. And I think South Carolina just made more plays on those than Georgia State did. And that ended up being the difference. So, you know, I think that there's a lot that can be done with the other stuff. And Coach McKnight and Coach Elliott are going to have to figure out ways of early on in the game, finding what is really going to make Darren comfortable. And it might not be the traditional stuff. You know, it might not be for Darren that getting those quick slants or whatever that are usually the bread and butter for a quarterback might not be what his bread and butter is. And so you have to kind of go in with a game plan of here's how we get Darren to start out four for five or five for five passing the ball and get him into a rhythm because partly because of South Carolina and partly because just the throws that they went, you know, just weren't executed. Darren never got that going and that kind of doomed the passing game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, <laughs> the funny thing with Georgia State and I guess the if we're scouting the box score of a one Darren Granger is Georgia State's offense is predominantly determined by timing, you know, and I think in a way that no other quarterback at Georgia State has ever really at, at least sorry, no other quarterback at Georgia State that I've seen 
relies on timing. You know, I think with Nick Arbuckle and like Connor Manning, those two were guys who, eh, those offensive lines weren't always the best, but he, they could hold on to the ball a little bit and then just yeet that thing down the field if they needed to, or just you know find a guy four or five seconds into a a play and you know boom make some things happen and i think if darren is going to pass the football and do it successfully there needs to be the timing with his receivers they have to be open obviously there's the timing with the offensive line he's got to be if it's a rollout you know he's got to get into his drop if there's a, if it's just a straight drop back he's got to like i said he's got to be into his drop you know he can't have you know, if a running back is chipping a blitzer, you know, that's got to happen. You know, he can't have anything in his face. And I don't, I don't say this as a criticism of Darren, but I, I kind of just say this as a general point to offense. If these, if he is going to be successful and the way that the last two years have gone for him when he is successful, it's a very timing based, you know, quarterback passing structure. And I think South Carolina did a really good job of throwing off timing. I think there were a couple of throws that I want back for Darren because they were very emblematic of the last year. Can this guy make the throw concerns that popped up around the middle of the season? But I also think you're right in a sense that some of the deep stuff a better QB probably can find the touch to make those passes more competitive. But I also want to give credit to what South Carolina was doing. And I also want to kind of get on the Georgia state receivers um, because outside of Jamari thrash and like Robert Lewis, a couple of times Georgia state's receivers were just not winning many battles. And Okay, I'm not dumb. If I were to have to go pick up a 300-pound barbell right now, that that wouldn't go well. Like, I understand what the task at hand was, you know. But at the end of the day, a big part of what's going to make Georgia State successful or not successful is if the receivers are capable of winning battles, you know. And you hope going into this week they are. They do find some ways to get the timing better, you know, do a rollout to get some guys, you know, space down the field, you know, do some different things and, you know, kind of switch protections and stuff like that. Try to keep, you know, the pass rush from being right in Darren's face because – you know, like I said, if you scout the line, seven of 29 isn't good. But I just when you rewatch the game and you watch the game like, yeah, there were overthrows. You know, there's always overthrows, but I think a lot of the overthrows that were deep were just, you know, a guy got jammed off the line or, you know, Darren had to make a change how he threw it at the line just because somebody was in his face or, you know, guy had to kind of adjust his route a little bit deeper than he wanted to and things of that nature. And, you know, when you have an offense that's so predicated on timing, you, you just can't have that. You know, you need to have Darren be at his five, you know, two seconds after and then have Dixon break over the middle right then and balls out. You know, that's if, if, Dixon gets jammed and has to go outside and it's still, you know, a crossing route over the middle. Darren's going to beat him there. And I think that's where you see a lot of the overthrows, but that always gets put on the quarterback when, you know, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Throws the rest of them, their throws Darren missed and needs to make. And so you just kind of like, as far as podcast fire, like there's not anything more we can say than like, 
it would be nice if he did that. You know, like there were throws that he had to make. There's plays every player has to make. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. It was week one. The thing where I'm at is just like, this feels like the absolute Thor to me. And obviously I could be proven wrong. We weren't necessarily as low on quad Brown as we ended up needing to be at the beginning, you know, this time last year, but this was significantly statistically the worst game he's had passing wise at Georgia state. And I remember that. Yeah, there were some games where he missed a couple more throws than he needed to, but he finished in the fifties. And even if it was low fifties, it was like, all right, but the rushing attack went well and he made enough throws. And this one, it was just, there weren't the touchdown pass was nice. And that was about it. Um, I just think that, you know, 24% isn't like stock. This is what Darren's been doing every week. Like we need to at least recognize that this was a significant step down. And I know week one is the, the only 2022 film you have to go off. So I understand the reaction and, I agree that if as bad as that was, then Georgia State doesn't have much of a chance to do anything they set out to do. But I do think given the level of defense they were facing that played a good game and that this hasn't been what we've seen, even as there's been stuff to improve on, it hasn't ever been that bad. I just am not hitting the panic button yet. And, you know, selfishly part of that might be because I feel like it's one of the circles of hell to like have the quarterback inquisition after week two, after getting beaten by North Carolina. And I'm trying to avoid that. Like, I just, I'm not getting to that point unless we absolutely have to, like it, we cannot be doing that the exact same time two years in a row. But I also just think that if you take a breath, recognize who you're playing, recognize that there's a handful of things that could have gone better. You know, in spite of all of this, we started with special teams because that was ultimately what made the difference in the game. And that's where South Carolina put two scores up, arguably three scores up, that they didn't have you know, the rights to do. You kind of let them do it. Offense was what it was, and the first half was there was basically nothing going except for that first drive that you didn't score on and the touchdown drive. And you went in down five against an SEC school because you were in that game. And so you got that second chance in the second half, and special teams plays were kind of what cost you. I mean... If you had had more going offensively, sure, maybe those special teams plays aren't a factor. But I think you can say Georgia State needs to clean up you know, 25 30% of the plays they had and it'd make a difference in being in the next game and the game after that, a game after that. I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that they're so far behind. And I don't know that I would have said that last year after the Army game. Like, I'm recognizing that, there have been week ones that have been underwhelming army game. I think we were all kind of a little bit speechless and you know, the biggest clue for me is, you know, coach Elliott after the army game last year was kind of, you know, upset, whatever word you want to say, like you could tell that the, the result rocked him and they were a little bit like, well, that's not what was supposed to happen. And after this game, you got the positivity that you even had re- leading up to this season. And it didn't really feel like it rocked them. They recognized that they let themselves down in some key moments, but they felt like they played well. And so as you're moving ahead to UNC, I don't think it's a team like last year where it was like, who is this team? What are we doing right now? I think they feel pretty good. They know they've got a lot of little stuff to clean up, but every team does at this point. And so as far as like week one loss leading to week two, I think the team's probably in a pretty decent spot and it's going to kind of be down to stopping UNC and doing the usual cleanup everyone's got to do. 
I am distinctly not advocating panic <laughs> buttons after week one. And you shouldn't. You absolutely shouldn't. Like it's it's weird to look at a game where you lost by twenty one points. And you could probably pretty easily say if Georgia State plays 20% better, if they if you replay that game and Georgia State plays 20% better, the score could have been even. And if they play 30% better, they probably could have won that game. I absolutely believe they could have won that game. A lot of what went right for them is things that will continue to go right, you know. Of of the 12 games, potentially 13 games this year, how many of them are they going to run for 200 yards? Probably most of them. That's what they do. How many of them are they going to have a pass rush looks like that looks like that, a run defense that looks like that, you know, being able to either force turnovers or be close to forcing turnovers. I mean, I think you could go through the starting 11 for Georgia State defensively and be like, that guy made a play, that guy made a play, that guy made a play on all of them. I think the worst that uh, Jalen Tate started, right? I'm pretty sure he was Corey like or Jalen. One of them. Uh, whomever. I'm pretty sure that was like the weakest position on the entire field of the starters. And they still probably were fine. You know, that's the important part. And that's why I think it's different this year than last year, because there were like last year, there was nothing, nothing in the way of offensive anything. No adjustments, nothing when Georgia State played Army. This year that didn't happen. And yes, a lot of Darren's final yards were yards after the catch, 59 of the 111. That's not great. But I still think Georgia State tried other things and they didn't just get stuck in kind of trying to, you know, put a square peg in a round hole with Darren after the first couple of, you know, the scripted drive and just they, they tried to get him comfortable. And there were times where he looked like he was getting more comfortable. And I think that's really important because that's, you know, last year, the App State game comes to mind specifically where we're talking about second half adjustments. A team just is able to do that. And, you know, the quicker that Georgia State and Darren can do that, the more it'll keep them in games. You know, the the better they can adjust like that. You know, that that's how they're going to have to win this week against UNC. I'm sure UNC is going to come in here and be like, well, our second half performance last week was bad. So we got to make sure we clean that up this week. All right, David, I'm so glad you brought that up because, yes, it is time for us to move on to our next topic for this week, which is, of course, Saturday's game against UNC, 12 noon Eastern time on ESPNU in Center Park Stadium. Uh, Tar Heels coming to town 2-0 after outlasting App State and Boone 63-61 to in what was honestly an instant classic, incredible game. Go back and watch the recording if you if you can. It's just unbelievable, but we, we won't dwell on that too much. Uh, uh, Tar Heels, led by Mac Brown and his second stint at UNC as head coach, best known for leading Vince Young and Texas to the 2005 national title. He's 92-63-1 all-time in Chapel Hill and has 297 collegiate wins to his name despite giving up 649 yards from scrimmage to the Mountaineers. They escaped the rock with a win, in large part due to the performance of freshman Phenom quarterback Drake May. May has 646 passing yards, nine passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions through UNC's two games. This is, of course, a historic game for the Panthers as well, as they'll host a power conference opponent for the very first time in program history. So, gentlemen, thoughts on UNC? So, you know, we'll get to the Georgia State of it all. Um, but last week, I was just, 
you know, it was a Saturday. I knew there were some games on and I saw, oh, App State UNC. I was just, you know, I know Georgia State plays both of those teams this year. So I figured, you know, why not? I'll watch this. And Jordan is absolutely right. If you are a college football fan, which if you're listening to this, I assume you are, please find some time to go watch that game. Just just for the college football of it all, because none of it makes sense. You, you, you think that, okay, high scoring game, you know, back and forth, this, you know, this makes sense. No, you'll watch it and none of it makes sense at all. Yeah, me, me and Jordan were on route to Columbia at that point. So we were on radio, but we were nonetheless enthralled, even with the radio calls, as there were shout out the Learfoot College Football Blitz for uh, getting us all the way up there to Williams Bryce Stadium. Uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, use the Stefan bid from SNL. It had everything. Um, more than everything. More by than team everything. In the fourth quarter. Uh, 62, I think 62 points combined between the two teams in the fourth quarter. Uh, two missed two-point conversions for App State. An onside kick inexplicably returned for a touchdown when if the guy just goes down for UNC, the game is over at that point, and the last two minutes are not nearly as dramatic. I've been watching football for almost 20 years. I have never in my life seen an onside kick return for a touchdown i like I, I i watched that play when i was like oh my god he's gonna score which like cool you went up but i was like that that might be too much time like this defense has done nothing and you look up okay there it is app state's charging on like three plays they scored again well and got a penalty uh after the onside there's a penalty to move the kick 15 yards back so app started in great field position they had to go 50 yards to get the touchdown to maybe tie the game. And I guess the one thing you can say for UNC's defense in that game is on the two plays that it really mattered most, those two two-point conversions, they got the stops and they got the win. I it, Jordan talked about it. Drake May is kind of where it has to start because the guy replacing Sam Howe, and I think that was the biggest question for a lot of people, was like, who is UNC going to get to replace this guy who kind of fell off maybe the heights that people thought he might have at the college level, but he was a Heisman talked about guy at the beginning of 2021. And the answer is they're fine because May's been pretty incredible through two games, including against an app defense that, like I said earlier, I'm still, I'm weighing what just happened to that app defense in just kind of like, are they as good as they have been? But I think they are still at least an above average about defense and they got what they wanted to. And it's a point. Again, I I teased when we're talking about, you know, Georgia State, the pass rush struggled in one aspect, and it was containing Rattler, letting him get out of the pocket and make plays. And Drake May is a super threat to do that. He did that multiple times in the game against App State. I'm sure he did in the game against FAMU to start the season. And so you're going to get the immediate test again. Okay, okay, we played well. This is the one area we didn't play well. And you're going to get a chance to immediately amend that. And if you don't, it's going to be tricky. You know, we talked about you know, 35 points is maybe unfair of the defense in their effort against the South Carolina game. In this game, they could play really well and give up points in the 30s, even the 40s, just because UNC's got a really good offense and they're churning right now. I think where you're hoping for an upset, the, it's got to start with catching UNC on a less good day than they've had their first two weeks of the season and making some of those extra plays that it comes down to it maybe forcing mistakes that may hasn't shown that he's going to make in the first couple of weeks. But yeah, it's, it's tricky when you're going into a game, you know, you need to see more from the offense and you know, the defense is going to get supremely tested by what looks like a pretty 
energetic, good Tar Heel, off- Tar Heel offense. Well said. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> this, like I said, that game was crazy. And for now, let's let's be bold and say that Georgia State has a better defense than App State just because of you know the way that both of those two teams played. Um, but that does not mean that May won't do the same thing to Georgia State that they just did that he just did to App State. You know, that's Georgia State will still need to bring their A game. And I, you know, the one, the one thing I will say that is a pretty big advantage for Georgia State, I think, is you can't just take away runs. You know, we just talked about it with the South Carolina game. You obviously cannot take away runs because those plays happened. Um, UNC wasn't the most efficient with their running on Saturday. You know, you're looking at about outside of Caleb Hood's 71-yard run, you're looking about 35 rushes for what buck 40. If Georgia state does that, just that part on Saturday, they probably win the game. Even, sorry. They will we'll be, be in a great. Game. Yeah. They will be in the game. I should say, because obviously may is still apparently incredible. Um, and I think the one area, like when app state was doing well, because app state got out to a, the, 21, 21 to 7 lead and a big part of that was just their offensive line was not letting Bryce get touched and they were creating the biggest of holes and you know they weren't converting them for huge plays outside of Nate Newell's 52 yard rush but they were getting big enough chunk plays that it was just like okay they can hang with UNC and UNC's defense just looked really lost they looked really sloppy um, for most of the first half it it wasn't until about halfway through the second quarter did it look like their defense got off the bus Um, and then from there through the third they obviously did really well then you, you know, I looked up in the fourth and I was like, wow, UNC is going to end up blowing out App State. And then they allowed 40 points in the fourth quarter. You know, you, you, you are a Chase Bryce overthrow on the first two point attempt and not running the same play a couple of minutes later from, you know, that game being tied. Like, I, I do not want to won the game for App. Sorry, you're right. The first one would have won the game for App. Like, I don't think UNC's defense stopped App. I think App stopped themselves. Um, and that's, you know, that's important for Georgia State. Chase Bryce was the Sun Belt player of the week on offense. 361 yards against UNC. Even if they're the worst team in the ACC, it's still an ACC defense. And that, you know, that's incredible. I don't think I would venture a guess that if Darren Granger throws for 361 yards, it's going to be a good Saturday for Georgia State. But I, I you know, I, I'm not predicting that that's going to happen at all. But if there is a lane for Darren to kind of get comfortable, that's got to be where it is because UNC tried to do the sit in the box and let, you know, Bryce beat him and it didn't work. You know, that's when. App State was starting to run really well, and then they kind of sat back, and the running kind of went away. But then the passing came back. So you know, hopefully Georgia State also has the ability to do multiple things. But containing the run will be so 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 important for Georgia State, as it always is. And I, I mean, I think the defense is up for the challenge. They just you know played a good, a big physical school, and so this is going to be another big physical school with probably a better quarterback, but. You know, if they if if the game that they called last week is similar to how they call it this week, 
make it struggle. Make it absolutely struggle. Yeah, it, for the defense, it's going to be about... If you're giving up chunk plays, as always, it's giving up like you did in South Carolina game. Something in the 30s and the 40s, not giving up the touchdown play. Carolina hit on some big home runs. and I mean, App did as well on UNC's defense. And you know, I think the, the UNC defense is going to be in a weird spot because I think they didn't... There was some uproar even after the first game where they gave up 24 to a FAMU team that was down like 22 uh, starter, like to 22 players. Like the game almost didn't happen because they weren't sure if they'd have enough guys there to play. And so there was some discord, I, I guess we could say, with UNC people around the defense and DC, Jin Chizik. And then that performance just happened. And so I think there's a lot of desire to be better. But Georgia State's offensively a completely different animal than App State. And I think you could play to Georgia State's advantage because I think that they're going to try and load up in the box and not let the run beat them because they know that's what Georgia State's going to do. And if you're Darren Granger and you're looking to do anything better than you did with 24% completion percentage like you had against South Carolina, if a team's going to load up the box and they're not going to be safety help over the top on at least one of the sides of the field and you're looking to maybe hit on one of those deep shots, I Apps receivers were open all day on the corners against UNC. And so if you're looking for some more explosiveness from the passing game, that's your opportunity where if they are over-focused on making sure the run doesn't beat them and they're giving those favorable matchups for Georgia State, that's how you reverse what happened last week and you get some big plays and feeling better about the passing game. And even that aside, Georgia State's had some success running the ball, even against some stacked boxes. I mean, it's not a formula for success and it's not... I don't think Georgia State should just keep the run play on if they got a run play call and there's eight guys in the box, seven guys in the box on Saturday every time because doesn't you know if you're just outnumbered, you're not going to do well. But Georgia State's quitted themselves well even when teams know they're running the ball. And so even if UNC comes into this approaching it like we're not going to let them run the ball, Georgia State's still gotten that run game going in spite of that against good defenses. And I'm not convinced how great UNC's is. Uh, the hunger factor for me is a factor that I think UNC's defense like has to like viscerally play better than they have. And so they're going to be coming in wanting to perform better. The flip side of that is maybe you catch the offense feeling good about themselves a little bit less crisp because I think that UNC offense is really good. And I think that UNC offense, you know, Drake May is a good quarterback, but it's really hard to be as good as they've been the first two weeks of the season offensively for 12, 13 games. Like it just, you're going to have off weeks and Georgia state's got some things on the defensive side of the ball that can maybe get them off rhythm and force some of those mistakes. Like Dave was talking about. It's still, you know, there's a reason UNC is the favorite and you definitely want to be shortening the clock, shortening the number of possessions, keeping UNC's offense off the field. And so you're going to have to find that running success, but you know, we've seen Georgia State kind of manage the games that way, get into that style of that's how they want to play, even when teams know it's what they want to do. And so, you know, I, I think that the line sitting where it's at, and uh, you know, I think it's seven, seven and a half right now, UNC favorites, like, I don't think that that's so crazy. And I, I don't think the opportunity is so far-fetched. I mean, don't get me wrong that I think it's very possible that if UNC comes in ready to play, and Georgia State can't correct some of the stuff that was going wrong for them against South Carolina, that it could be a blowout. 
blowout for UNC is certainly one of the plausible outcomes for this game because the offense is legit. And if Georgia State can't get out of their way on offense or Lord help everyone, if the special teams is still the issue that it was last week, then that's a bad formula. And this offense for UNC is better suited to make it to where a lopsided score is indicative of how the game went. But the other factor we haven't talked about yet, forecast doesn't look great. Looks like there's probably going to be rain in the forecast. I mean, as ever, we don't know these things. I think I saw as much as like 80% chance of rain, something in a higher probability, you know, I'm a 50 plus percent. And if that's the case, that's where bets go off a little bit. And you trust the team that knows it has running as their identity to do something there. Um, it's not the entire equalizer. UNC still has talented backs and they've got an experienced offensive line. It's not like that only favors Georgia state, but if it's a literal muddy game and uh, everyone's kind of for plan A or UNC is if it involves passing the ball 50 times, whatever it might be. Hey, got a factor for that. And I feel like it'd be almost fitting to have this first home game against the P5. Coach Elliott, famous for wanting to instill the nastiness, the grittiness. Like, I feel like it would be only fitting if that first P5 win at home comes in a game that's in like a rainstorm that you the under hits for no reason. Like no one is expecting the under hit just because it was raining and you win a game with like a last minute Tucker, Greg one yard touchdown run at the end of like a 70 yard drive to win like 2016. Like, I don't think that's a predictable outcome. Like UNC has got too good an offense to say, I think they're going to only score 16, but I just, you know, the weather is this silent factor that may end up being nothing may end up being kind of a big deal. Georgia State's been pretty good at home, too. You know, like, I, I don't know that we mentioned that point specifically, but, like, this is a team that since they moved into Center Park Stadium, they they usually take care of business at home. They find a way to do it. Um, and I didn't actually know about the weather. I was, you know, I was going to wait a couple of days to, you know, check that. But that that could be a factor. This is a team that likes to run the ball a whole lot. And, you know, if it's raining, especially if it's raining, you know, moderately, Grit becomes a really big issue for a lot of guys. And, you know, that definitely, especially with Georgia State having a mobile quarterback too, like that, that definitely can impact the outcome of the game. And the only other thing to note, which only it makes it more infuriating how good UNC has been, is that Josh Downs, who hurt Georgia State in the game last year, uh, which I think has no bearing on the game this year, but moving on from that, hasn't played this year. And he was probably the wide receiver one for May. And so if you're looking for I think it's still up in the air. And especially if it's raining, feels like not that likely that he'd be playing. But that is a looming thing that they've been really good. And they're without arguably their best you know, pass catching weapon for a quarterback who's already been playing well. And so I didn't want to leave the preview without mentioning that. Uh, we'll see if Dallas plays or not. Definitely another layer to a just a deep Tar Heel passing attack if he's able to go and it makes it another another guy that George is going to have to have their eyes on but I just want to yeah that's where I just want to leave it off which is mentioning that little little tidbit could be something again we we are ending with two things that may not have any bearing on the game but they also could both in their own rights be really big factors in whichever way it goes 
Yep, all that's left to do now is play the game. So, Saturday, 12 noon, ESPNU, or preferably in person at Center Park Stadium, come see the Panthers take on North Carolina and Georgia State's first ever time hosting a Power 5 team at home. As always, Brady will be up in the press box providing game day analysis, and I'll be on the field running around while trying to keep camera equipment dry. But that's all the time we've got for this week. Uh, Make sure to check out our game stories and photos on Panther Talk if you missed them this past weekend, and be on the lookout for all the details from this week's game. Have a great week, and go Panthers!